It's October 15th, and you know what that means. It's time yet again for Fight Me. Actually, you probably don't know what that means. I don't know why you would, even if you did listen to the first one. This is just the second one. You don't even know that it's weekly yet. But if you don't know, now you know. Fight Me is a weekly mixed martial arts news and opinion podcast. I say news and opinion because I'm going to try my hardest to be news But we all know it's going to be mostly opinion. And that's what Fight Me is all about. Not only do I break down the week in mixed martial arts, but I also uh, share my hard opinions for you to agree, disagree, whatever you want to do. Uh, But overall, I just want you to fight me. Get out there. I know you guys, you little keyboard warriors, love arguing, so... I figured you'd jump at an opportunity for somebody willingly engaging you in discourse. I feel like I'm going to start regretting this the further on it goes. But at the end of every show, I'm going to share with you an opinion that I have on mixed martial arts in general, or the week's events, or just something overarching that I have had my eyes on having a conversation about for a while. But I feel like we have a lot to talk about this week, uh, which is weird because there wasn't a UFC But I feel like when we have these weekends where there is no UFC, we kind of get to reflect a lot on a lot of things that are bubbling in certain divisions, uh, things that are happening in other organizations, just mixed martial arts in general. And I feel like last week the McGregor-Khabib fight happened, and it felt like going to like mixed martial arts for that weekend felt like going to a really cool bar but on the weekend where everybody else is there and you paid too much to get in and you know you usually just enjoy your weekends at home but you've been dragged out to this club and you're excited at first until you see a bunch of people you don't like there and then all of a sudden a fight breaks out and you're scared and you're like why did i even go here and like i understand why people come to this bar but like it just seems like too much right now (laughs) whereas this weekend felt like when you go to a really cool bar or even a shitty bar on like a Wednesday and there's not a whole lot of people there but the people that are there are like these wacky regulars and they all have a story to tell and then like two guys get into it and start fighting and it's they're not very good but it's pretty entertaining Maybe they were good at one point, but they're kind of past their prime. If you can't tell, I'm totally talking about Bellator's main event on Saturday. Uh, Shale Sonnen versus Fedor Emelianenko. Don't misconstrue that as shit-talking. I do love both of those fighters. And uh, the wacky regulars that I, were talking, that I was talking about, the very thinly veiled uh, euphemism there, that was obviously Derek Lewis, because he is my favorite funny regular at any bar i would love to have that guy on my side in a bar fight but yeah what a wacky crazy uh main event that we have coming up uh in the ufc uh daniel cormier versus Derek lewis nobody saw that coming really uh especially since i don't think Derek lewis was even medically cleared to fight before they booked that i heard they appealed his um his medical uh suspension 
uh, and I guess they uh, I guess they succeeded in that appeal, which is good because that's going to be an awesome fight and a really cool stark contrast to what we saw last weekend. Not necessarily the best versus the best, but no weird tension, no darkness, no uh, over the top shit talking. We're not going to see these guys going at it. If they do argue, they're going to argue over the merit of Popeye's chicken. And uh, before I get any weird comments, that's actually what this beef started about. Because uh, <laughs> Derek Lewis, I believe, said uh, to an interviewer or something like that that he was. Uh, like somebody noticed that he was eyeing DC up and down and asked him, well, what's going on with that? Is there some tension going on? And he said it was because Cormier talked shit on Popeye's chicken. So I really like that that's kind of at the crux of this duel here. I really appreciate that. But let's talk a little more about um, Bellator 207 and 208, which happened one night after the next, Friday and Saturday. I still think that's pretty a pretty strange decision. On Bellator's part, uh, they could have just put together one master show uh, with uh, from top to bottom stellar lineup, which let's face it, to get people to pay attention and continue to enjoy their product, Bellator really has to be putting on these from top to bottom impressive shows. I understand that they're trying to develop new talent and I'm glad that they are because, you know, some of the people in the earlier um fights in uh both events really really stepped up and in my opinion that's one of the more important things that Bellator can do is can you continue to develop this young talent. Uh the guys I'm talking about Mike Kimball with a 6 second knockout Super impressive. I think he tied for the quickest knockout in Bellator history. And then uh, Mandel or Mandel Nalo. Uh, still, these guys are relatively new to me, so I'm, I apologize if I butcher their pronunciation. But uh, killer knee knockout in that one. Super impressive. Uh, I believe that was first round or second round as well. P- pretty early on in the round. Uh, pretty impressive victory. So those are two guys to definitely uh, look out for. Uh, Mandel Nalo, super interesting to me since I have those punk rock roots and I kind of feel that coming from that guy. His Twitter is rat garbage and I really hope that that becomes his nickname because Mandel Rat Garbage Nalo is a name I would really like to hear an announcer say on his way into the octagon. Uh, so that was pretty awesome. Kevin Ferguson... Uh, letting down a lot of people who betted on him. I think he was, I don't know what his actual uh, odds were, but the odds were heavily stacked in uh, Kevin Ferguson Jr. I guess, is he Jr. or Jr. Jr.? I don't know. Kimbo Slice had a lot of kids. But Baby Slice, nonetheless, uh, losing his uh, losing his bout uh, on Friday night, I believe. Uh, he was either fighting Friday or Saturday. I'm not sure, and I shouldn't have to wonder about it, because they should all just have been on one goddamn card. I do not understand why they had to split it into two different events. Um, pretty interesting strategy. I assume or hope that it maybe had something to do with uh, with scheduling problems or something like that, because they easily could have had uh, Bader versus Mitrione, and then uh, Chael versus Fedor on the same night. 
Uh, but let's talk about those two main events for a little bit, if we shall. Uh, Ryan Bader doing what we all expected Ryan Bader to do. Uh, I'm not going to bang this drum too hard because it's a drum really no one cares to listen to. But if Ryan Bader were in the UFC at 205, he would still be a force, especially with how uh, thin the UFC 205 division is right now. Um, yeah, I'm not saying that he would be a contender, but I'd say, I'm saying he'd probably hang around the top five or so. Obviously, there's some killers there like Dominic Reyes coming up that are starting to thicken up that division a little bit, if you will. But uh, nonetheless, Ryan Bader showing why he is still a relevant fighter at heavyweight and currently holding the Bellator 205 uh, light heavyweight uh, champion strap. Uh, so putting on a really impressive victory over Matt Mitrione, who, whatever you want to say about where his career is, moves super quick for a heavyweight. Uh, obviously, Bader did what he we thought he would and just took him down and beat him up real bad. Uh, it was a pretty dominant victory, uh, pretty bad beating that Matt Mitrione took. And then he will be moving on to the uh, Bellator heavyweight uh final or whatever they're calling it in this Grand Prix tournament uh, against Fedor Emelianenko. Say whatever you will about the fight <laughs> on uh, Saturday night. Fedor versus, versus Chael Sonnen. Two dudes past their prime. Yeah, I get it. Uh, Chael Sonnen arguably never becoming a champion. Uh, although, you know, I, I do think he's a truly talented fighter and very impressive in uh, getting people to watch him fight, which I think is a big part of why Bellator has been pulling him along as much as they have. Uh, I would like to see him stick mostly to commentating and things like that. I think he's great at it. But uh, for all intents and purposes, did what he was supposed to do and... Uh, Went in there and <laughs> gave it his best. It was an ugly fight. Let's just let's just be honest with that. Uh, it was all over the place. At one point, Chael did a backflip off of Fedor's back. I was very confused by that decision since he actually had Fedor's back. It didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Fedor just throwing with everything he had. At one point, I think he pulled himself over onto the canvas <laughs> after throwing... Uh, one of his hard right hands. Uh, just just crazy madness, melee, like we've come to expect from uh, from Fedor Emelianenko, but ultimately getting the job done, and I will be damned if it is not good to see Fedor in the win column again. I'll never not enjoy watching him win. Uh, and that just has to do from my beginning watching mixed martial arts, watching those old pride tapes, uh, digging back through the archives and all that. I still do it from time to time. It was a crazy time in mixed martial arts and um, heck, just a super impressive silent champion. Uh, we didn't know a whole lot about Fedor back then, except that he came in, didn't talk, and whooped everybody's ass. And it's nice to see him do it again. Uh, and, of course, you couldn't necessarily argue that he could do anything similar in the UFC heavyweight division. Nonetheless, it's it's good to see him uh, back. Although I do suspect once he fades off 
or faces off against Ryan Bader. We're going to see a little bit more of the same from Ryan Bader, and he's just going to take Fedor down and beat on him. Although back in the day, Fedor did have a pretty impressive guard. Uh, He can do a lot from his back. He's got a great submission game. Uh, I'm pretty slept on grappler, actually. Uh, We'll see what happens. I mean, he's not really known to lose uh, by being held down. Usually his losses, especially as of late, have been from taking big shots. His chin is one of the more questionable things about him. So who knows? He could come up with that championship. Uh, What that means, I don't really know. Uh, Would I like to see him win? Yeah. Would I like to see Bader win? Yeah, actually. I would really enjoy seeing Bader win, if only to see a light heavyweight get that champion, uh, get that championship strap at at heavyweight in Bellator. As I've been saying for a little while, uh, you wouldn't know because I haven't really said it on the show, and none of you guys talk to me. What's the deal with that? Come on, be my friend. Hit me up on Twitter. But um, as I've been saying, I really think we're going to start seeing a lot more light heavyweights come up to heavyweight. Uh, it just makes sense. They are faster than most of the heavyweights, as we've seen time and time again. DC proving it against Stipe. Uh, you know, you see the same... Well, you didn't actually see the same thing with Chael versus uh, Fedor. Fedor proved to be quite a bit quicker than Chael, but Chael Sonnen is not necessarily known for his speed. But you get my point. You see it happen time and time again. Um, they just tend to be more nimble, uh, and if they can get up to heavyweight, as we've seen a lot of the more dominant heavyweights, don't actually get up to the full 265. People barely do. Uh I think DC ended up weighing more than Stipe Miocic in their heavyweight match. So I would really like to see that become more of a trend. Plus, I really don't enjoy seeing guys kill themselves to cut weight. It's a really unfortunate part of our sport that uh, we all enjoy and that I cover. And uh, something that I wish wasn't, didn't have, could you imagine what some of these guys would be able to do with all the time that they had to prepare for fights without having to put, what, like 90% of their training camp into making weight. It just it just doesn't make sense. It's unhealthy getting knocked around uh, with your body dehydrated, getting a concussion when you've already dehydrated your body. That's just really, really unfortunate part of our sport. So any trend I can see uh, going in the direction of ending that is something that I will embrace. Uh, so moving out of the Bellator realm, we have some other things to talk about. Um, there's been a real uh, whirlwind uh, in the women's 125 belt. A real up and down, uh, weird roller coaster ride. Uh, we had Shevchenko versus, uh, versus Jekcek. Then we didn't have Shevchenko versus Jekcek. We had... Uh, what did we have? We had Shevchenko versus uh, Eubank. Uh, and now again, we have Shevchenko versus uh, Jekcek. I don't know what's going on. I actually do know what's going on. It's just super annoying. The UFC uh, 
had the Jack Check uh, Shevchenko fight booked, then they needed a heavy or they needed a uh, a title fight uh, for the uh, event that uh, that Diaz and Poirier were supposed to face off on. Uh, they ended up getting Lewis versus DC. Uh, so they uh, but before they got that fight booked. They decided to book Shevchenko versus um, Sajara Eubank uh, because I guess uh, Joanna Jekcek couldn't uh, be be ready that early or she just wasn't available to fight. So they took that title shot away from her, uh, gave it to Sajara Eubank, and then once they found the uh, title fight that they needed to really make that a worthwhile uh, pay-per-view... They took it away from Sajara Eubank and gave it back to Shevchenko, uh, which is super annoying for Sajara Eubank. Uh, you could make all the arguments you want to about who deserves that title shot. Um, no one has really showed their stuff at 125 because it hasn't been around that long. I'm 100% behind them making the Shevchenko fight. I just wish they didn't have to jostle Sajara Eubank around like that. But I am super excited to see that fight. There's really nothing else I could imagine that would uh, sort of jumpstart the women's bantamweight division quite like uh, Shevchenko versus Jekcek. Uh, Shevchenko being the obvious uh, contender for that belt. Uh, but Joanna Jekcek being a name, someone who can make 125, someone who's already has that history with uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Someone who we know is going to put on a great fight. Uh, super impressive. I actually have Shevchenko in that fight. Um, even though I'm a huge Yana Jekcek fan, I think she's one of the funnest female fighters to watch. One of the funnest fighters to watch, period. Uh, amazing striking. But, you know, uh, I just feel like not only is uh, Valentina Shevchenko more well-rounded, uh, whereas, you know, we know... Yona Jekcek is uh, a talented striker, but she hasn't really shown us much else except for pretty good takedown defense. Uh, whereas Valentin Shevchenko has amazing wrestling, uh, has showed a pretty good submission game, uh, super explosive. She's also beat uh, she, she's also beat Jekcek at least once, maybe maybe more than once. I want to say maybe three times in kickboxing. So I really don't see where uh, Yona Jekcek could beat her, honestly. Um, so that would be a really fun fight to watch. I'm sure uh, Yona Jekcek has uh, improved since they last met in kickboxing. Uh, not only that, but there's things you can do in mixed martial arts that you can't do in kickboxing. So I'm still stoked to see that fight. Uh, so about the uh, the title fight that uh, changed that whole situation around. We have Daniel Cormier facing off against Derek Lewis, which is just a breath of fresh air, given all of the weirdness and tension uh, that has been caused over the uh, Conor McGregor-Khabib uh, Namagamadoff fight, uh, sparring a brawl, sparring a bunch of weird nationalist shit talk, uh, sparking a bunch of uh, just really 
uncomfortable and stupid uh, fanboying online. You see a lot of this, like, Wakanda threw the first punch, Khabib's, Khabib's team started it. Uh, this whole issue is way too complicated to really boil down to one instance. I think they're both going to be punished for this. Uh, I And I'll get a little bit to this later. I think that Connor is going to be sort of retroactively punished for what he has done to sort of make, for what he's done in the past, meaning the uh, bus attack and a lot of the stuff that he's done that, he was been, that he's been out of line for that the UFC or uh, the athletic commissions have not... Um, have not uh, punished him for. Uh, I think the Nevada State Athletic Commission, even though it is technically speaking with the law in mind unfair, I think they're going to put down a little extra wrath on uh, Conor McGregor for having gone unchecked for so long. Now, obviously, they're going to punish uh, Khabib Magomedov. I've been hearing a 12-month uh, suspension. Um, they're already uh, provisionally uh, suspended or uh, temporarily suspended for 10 days uh, until the hearing on the 24th, so we will know a little more after that. But uh, yeah, I've been hearing Khabib could be suspended for 12 months. I really don't know. If they suspend him for six months, really not a punishment. He's probably not going to fight within six months anyway. I only see him defending the belt one maybe two at most times uh, in 2019, but probably just once. So we really only need one fight out of him, and it's really beginning to look like it's going to be the McGregor fight. So we will see. Uh, but Dana White did say that if Khabib is suspended for a year, he's going to have to strip him because you have to defend your title. Um, you have to defend your title or... Yeah, you have to defend your title within a year, or it will be stripped, I believe. Them's the rules. So that'll at least make Dana White and the UFC appear as if they're punishing him proportionately. But honestly, I don't think he's getting any extra punishment from the UFC. Uh, regardless of how you feel about it, that's pretty much the breaks. Um, they're not punishing him. I don't think either of his teammates should be punished uh, by being, I believe... Uh, these names are very Russian <laughs> of his teammates who got suspended. So forgive me, Islam Makachev, and then the other guy, the guy who was supposed to fight Artem Lobov. Um, they are both, I believe, being removed from the UFC, or that's at least what they're saying. It's pretty unclear. Uh, looks like Artem Lobov uh, is already moving on to perhaps fight Michael Johnson, which I'd love to see that. Uh, it will really uh, say a lot to me as far as you know whether or not Artem Lobov deserves to be where he is. If he can defeat uh, Michael Johnson, then I think we can have a serious conversation about him in the UFC. Uh, as far as um, what he's going to be able to do in the future, so that should be a good fight. But I understand why the UFC is punishing Khabib's teammates. Uh, or removing them from the UFC and not either of the big names that were involved in this. It just kind of undermines uh, everything they're doing, I think, if they don't, or if they do punish these guys 
and not punish Connor or Khabib. Um, and I say punish, but you know they can punish them. Just don't <laughs> remove them from the UFC. It really sets a precedent and makes it more and more obvious that the UFC is playing favorites. Obviously, they're going to play favorites, but they should at least try a little bit to make it look like they're at least making an attempt not to play favorites. You shouldn't be. You, everyone should be treated equally. It should have nothing to do with how much money uh, you make the UFC. I say that knowing obviously it will, but just have a little, uh, little sense, a little class, and at least try to make us think that things are fair. Make an attempt to make this look like an actual sport where rules apply no matter what. <laughs> uh, and that just really speaks to the heart of what my issue has been with the UFC uh, for a while now, pretty much ever since the buyout, is that uh, rules apply differently to different people. Um, being the best or being, you know, the rankings don't mean anything anymore. Uh, being the best doesn't matter. It matters who's going to watch you. Uh, you know, we have uh, Brock Lesnar coming back for a heavyweight, uh, heavyweight bout against the champ, DC, one of the greatest fighters ever. And it couldn't be any more because of money. This is a guy who has tested for performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, you don't have to actually see the tests to know that. You can just see his refrigerator for a head and those lunchbox hands. But, <laughs> but that's another story. Um, yeah, it's just... It's gotten ridiculous at this point. And I know that uh, these things are always going to come into play, how much money you make the UFC... And I accept that, but I just wish they at least wanted to look like it's not that way. Like, at least do a little bit, <laughs> you know, um, do a little a little fake punishment for me, for uh, Conor McGregor. You know, g- give Khabib a little, a little slap on the wrist or something if you're going to remove his teammates. Um, as far as his um, Khabib Magomedov's long post on Instagram. I don't know if you read it, but basically the long and short were if his teammate is uh, removed from the UFC, then they can expect him to leave as well. I think that's obviously a publicity stunt uh, and a bluff. I do not see Khabib leaving. Um, I definitely don't see the UFC letting him go. Uh, They don't want one of the greatest fighters in the world walking around there as a free agent because he will get swept up, and that will make Bellator a legitimate challenger to the UFC. I don't see that happening at all, but um, I, I really don't think Khabib's going to leave. I think he's bluffing big time, and even if he weren't, there's no way the UFC's going to leave. They'll do whatever he wants at this point. He has that belt. He's proven that he is the greatest lightweight in the world, one of the greatest fighters of all time. And I see him continuing to prove that in the UFC for a long time and continuing to be a big draw. I mean, I don't even think we've seen a glimpse of the uh, star that Khabib could be internationally. He jumped uh, from, I don't know how many uh, Instagram followers he had before the McGregor fight. Now he has uh, somewhere close to 13 million. I believe it wasn't even a million before, before that fight. So really international, like 
we're not even just thinking about the U.S. right now. Internationally, he could be a superstar. Um, I've heard a lot of talk that, um, what was it, his agent or his coach said that he was going to retire after this. I, I, I don't see that happening unless the, the UFC makes him. Uh, he might he might have just that rematch with Connor and then retire. That would be super sad if it were to happen, and none of that is really substantiated news. So I'm not reporting it. That's just hearsay. But um, regardless, I I don't I don't see him going anywhere. I definitely see him sticking with the UFC. Uh, moving on to some more news. What else do we have? Um, let's see. So I just wanted to. Um, continue my talk a little bit about uh dc that's right he uh so he had a hand a hand injury i believe a broken hand he was waiting for that to heal and then uh ended up taking this fight uh against Derek lewis i've been hearing that it was a very uh, him taking the fight was very dependent on who the um who the opponent was. I've been hearing a lot of people saying DC is ducking uh, Stipe for the um, the rematch. And I understand what you're saying because he is ducking, uh, ducking Stipe. He's even said it. He's not going to fight Stipe. He's not... Um, he's definitely not going to fight Stipe on this level of preparation. But I think he truly believes... That he doesn't need to be at full health to beat Derek Lewis. He's going to be able to wrestle him down, take him down, and dominate him. Uh, he said in an interview earlier today with Ariel Hawani that he, uh, DC, believes Derek Lewis has one way to win. He has to stay away from that, and he can win. Uh, Stipe has many ways to win, uh, so he's he's not he's not going to give him that title defense right now. I don't think he's ever going to give uh, Stipe Miocic the uh, rematch. It sure doesn't seem like it. It seems like he is going to fight Derek Lewis, get one more crazy fun bout in, uh, try to dominate Derek Lewis for three rounds, uh, maybe get a submission or some sort of impressive finish if he can. And then I think he's going to move on to the Brock fight. And then I think he's going to retire. And I really don't hold that against him. I don't, I don't see him rematching John Jones um, unless it's a heavyweight. I don't ever see him going back down to two hundred five. Uh, but also, he is a fierce competitor, and I really, at the in the same breath, have a hard time seeing Daniel Cormier leaving mixed martial arts altogether without ever having. Um, avenged that defeat by John Jones, especially since the second defeat was so marred by controversy and so muddied as far as whether it was valid or not. Um, you know, yeah, things have become a lot more confusing since USADA became a lot more diligent in their, uh, in their testing. Um, uh, we also did get the announcement that um, the same card as uh, Chris Cyborg is uh, fighting Amanda Nunes in Vegas. We're also going to get a rematch of one of 
the best mixed martial arts fights of all time. I actually just uh, went back and watched the John Jones, uh, Alexander Gustafson uh, fight. It's just, just such a great fight, and I'm so excited to see that again. Uh, it's going to be great, and I see their, um, you know, they they definitely John Jones and Gustafson have a um, have a, a camaraderie and uh, they're not necessarily best of friends but they have a camaraderie to some extent so I don't see there being a lot of uh, shit talking shaking out of this one and just seeing it see it being a good clean fun contest well we'll see if it's clean after <laughs> the tests come out but. I really don't see John Jones fucking this one up again. He better just be eating food and drinking water for the entirety of this training camp. But regardless, that'd be a super exciting one to watch. Um, while talking about that event, I mean, we have to go ahead and talk a little bit about Cyborg versus uh, Nunes. I'm just super excited to see that fight. I don't think we've seen uh, Chris Cyborg go up against somebody who hits as hard as Amanda Nunes. I mean, I don't think any woman hits as hard as Amanda Nunes. Uh, Holly Holm, obviously, elite striker, just does not have the explosive, insane power that Amanda Nunes does. And uh, Chris Cyborg is very, very used to just walking through punches to maul her opponent, uh, get a hold of him, uh, slam into him with the those killer knees of hers, I really don't see her... I see if she tries to do that, if she tries to manhandle Amanda Nunes the way she has all of her opponents, I think it's going to be a tough night for her. But that being said, I'm sure she knows that. So I'm sure she's not going to fight Amanda Nunes like she's fought everyone else. Uh, it just wouldn't be wouldn't be smart. Uh, and she is a smart fighter. She's gotten to the way she to where she is not only because she's a freak of nature, well, nature or science, whichever way you want to call that one, uh, but she's an amazing fighter. And she didn't just get there through her uh, physical ability. She's an intelligent fighter. She's cagey. She's been doing this for a long time. So I don't see her making that mistake at all. I. I think it would be a pretty safe bet to say that Cyborg remains the queen of 145 after that bout, but sure would be exciting to see things be shaken up, so that that's going to be a really fun one to see work out. Um, and that being said, that kind of brings us to our Fight Me point of the week. So you know how this works. I'm going to state one of my hard opinions. Uh, and you guys feel free to fight me on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Twitter, hashtag MMA fight me. Um, and that is uh, my Twitter handle as well at MMA fight me. Same thing on Instagram, same thing on Facebook. Uh, this works the same way it does every week. I'm going to share an opinion or uh, a hard take on things. Don't worry. My takes aren't too hot. Not gonna get scorched. Pretty cold takes, honestly. Uh, but uh, I'm going to share an opinion, and uh, you guys feel free to fight me about it. And uh, I kind of stopped that because we were talking about the UFC's women's 145. Uh, well, I don't really think Bellator has a 145 belt. They do have some impressive uh, 
female fighters. Uh, Limelay McFarlane could easily be a superstar in the UFC. Uh, UFC, uh, the Bellator has gotten very good at uh, sort of fostering these young talents like Limelay McFarlane, uh, Aaron Pico. Um, you had Mike Kimball and uh, Mandel uh, Nalo uh, this weekend. Not only these great uh, fighters, but you're going to start seeing more and more people come over to uh, other organizations in general. You've got um, uh, Eddie Alvarez talking about going over to 1FC, which would be a truly bizarre life move. I feel like uh, 1 is sort of where people go when they just want to get away from it all and live in a completely different place. Uh, or in Brandon Vera's uh, case, just if you want to escape USADA for a little while, it's not a bad place to go. Uh, but they are definitely building up their roster over there. Um, you have PFL uh, pulling some great fighters. Honestly, uh, Kayla Harrison could someday be the only woman I could really see going up against Chris Cyborg, and I'd love to see that. She is a true 145-er, um, fights at 155 in the PFL, and is a judo gold, me- gold medalist several times over. Uh, just It's a matter of building that experience for her right now. It could be a serious contender against Chris Cyborg. Uh, then you have um, this, a whole new slew of champs in Bellator, You've got Ryan Bader, who I think could easily be a problem at 205 in the UFC, which is a pretty thin division. Not a lot of superstars there right now. I'm not saying he would be able to beat Daniel Cormier, but that's a fight we've wanted to see for a long time. And as he starts to climb his way, uh, we're going to start to see that more and more. Um, I guess before I get too far into this, I'll go ahead and give you guys my point of the week. And if you can feel free to fight me about it. But I think that we're about 5 to 10, I'd say 10 maximum, but about 5 years away from there being a serious competitor with the UFC. Uh, whether it be Bellator, that's the obvious one, they're the number 2 right now, or PFL with its uh, NBC backing and its more um, classic sport-like structure where they have a bracket system and uh, people really fight based on merit. They don't put together bouts based on popularity, which I know that's not the best way business-wise, or at least hasn't been. But honestly, the way things are being done, uh, being decided by the free market these days, don't really tickle the fancy of true sports fans anyway. I I know uh, I've had a problem with it for a long time. So I think a lot of people would like to see the sport kind of be cleaned up in that way and maybe go the way of a of a true sport. But at the very least, we're going to see competitors like Bellator, who are kind of, for the most part, doing things the same way uh, UFC is. But, you know, these um, Grand Prix uh, tournaments, like the welterweight one that they're doing, which is going to be huge, they have a stacked welterweight division, uh, and the heavyweight one that they're in the middle of right now, uh, they are starting to do things like that to an extent, as well as put on big events um, like they've had to in the past, you know, with having Kimbo Slice and um, 
fight and have Dada 5000, that insane thing. Um, that might have actually been back in the Strike Force days, so don't quote me on that. And then you have, you know, all the past the prime legends that they have fighting. They just had a Czech Congo fight on that card this weekend. Um, so they have all these um, acquisitions from the UFC that they're starting to use to build up some notice. And then all in the background, they're fostering these young talents that have great personalities and are beginning to build these killer records under the uh, under the radar, under the um, cover of Bellator, which is a lesser organization, and uh, it's kind of keeping them from getting snagged up. And I'm sure they're trying their best to uh, treat these athletes with the respect and monetarily the the way that they need to to keep them away from the UFC for now. So I really see us being about a good five years out from uh, having a true competitor against the UFC. I know that's crazy since people have been trying at it for a long time to no success. But with a combination of uh, other organizations and you know TV networks starting to truly understand UFC, uh, not the UFC, but mixed martial arts in general, and... Uh, it its place in our current culture i really think uh it's sort of clearing the way for an actual competitor against the ufc and i think that can only be good for the sport of mixed martial arts altogether and i know um, the brass of the ufc doesn't like to hear opinions like that because it means um you know competition feels like it means um a bad thing, but honestly, they should know being in the sport, it's a good thing. It's going to be good for everybody. The more that there's um, more options, more places to go, it's going to be better for the fighters. Uh, it's going to inspire the UFC to put on better shows and actually maybe pivot and change to what the people want, make them a better product altogether. Uh, it's just really ideal, and I'm glad that we've seen it really sort start to unfold with you know, all the way from the number two uh, Bellator, all the way down to the weird things like bare knuckle boxing that are starting to take off, and the, um, you know, the sort of um, well, we have um, Invicta, an entire uh, women's organization from top to bottom, uh, super awesome. Invicta honestly puts on some of my best fights, and it's no secret at this point that they're they become sort of a feeder organization to the UFC. Uh, not only a feeder organization having, um, you know, developing talent for the UFC, but when uh, women, you know, have a bad run in the UFC, we've seen them time and time again go to Invicta, build themselves back up, and then come back to the UFC, kind of like we're watching Pearl Gonzalez do right now. Uh, I say she's a couple fights, or a couple impressive victories in Invicta uh, before she goes back to the UFC to become a true uh, contender in there. Uh, so yeah, I I will state it again. I think we're about five years out. I'm a little more confident this time, so I'm not going to say the five to ten, to ten. We're about five years out before other organizations start seriously competing or competing with the UFC. Before they're not the only ones who can pull, you know. Uh, 500,000 pay-per-views easy in a weekend. 
I think we're definitely going to see it. And obviously Bellator is the uh, number one for that, or number two, but uh, number one as far as competitors at the UFC. But I would like to see some of that start to come from the PFL. I really enjoy that. Uh, I really enjoy the product they put on. They put on some great fights. Um, you know, they're doing their what they can with the money that they have. Uh, really, really love to see uh, to see them start to take off a little bit. I think that's only going to happen once the UFC is a little bit more of a household household conversation. Um, you know, and I think we're going to see that. The further time goes on, um, you know, my generation, I'm, uh, well, I'm about to drop my age on y'all, but I'm 36. Uh, so my generation, the elder millennials, uh, and the, you know, generation Xers above me sort of grew up with this stuff. So as we start to get into, you know, the UFC having, you know, right now they've been around for 25 years, but honestly, it, it didn't really... I'd say about 18 years ago is when we really started to see guys like George St. Pierre uh, and uh, other fighters like him. Maybe, maybe not quite 18 years ago. Don't do my math on that one. But uh, people who have been fighting uh, just mixed martial arts don't come from other backgrounds and then have to play catch up on all the other disciplines, but just come from mixed martial arts and have just trained to be the best mixed martial arts fighters that they can be these well-rounded fighters. And now we have, you know, we just used to just have a handful of those guys. And now that's the majority of what the sport is. These people who have trained in everything from very young ages, specifically to fight mixed martial arts. So with that being said, if we don't start to see more organizations start to take advantage of the sheer number of mixed martial arts fighting fighters, I mean, if you go out, you know as well as I do, they, like, what, like 30% of the men that you see in your daily interactions have at least taken an MMA class, um, you know, whereas when I was a kid, it was just the the rare weirdo it was kind of looked down upon but now it's it's a super mainstream thing and i think it's about time that we start seeing more and more competitors it could only be good for the sport for the athletes and ultimately for the organizations altogether because more eyes means more money so that is my fight me point of the week and if you don't like it you can fight me about it hit me up on twitter uh, MMA fight me, hashtag MMA fight me if you want to tweet me, or just at me, bro. Uh, and that this has been, yet again, another episode of Fight Me with your host, Anthony Tadero. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, if you want to check us out on any other platforms, we should be available on basically everything right now. I'm not sure if we're up on Apple Podcasts yet, but uh, Stitcher, Pocket Pods, um, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify now, all that good stuff. So hit me up uh, on my Twitter or Instagram and uh, make sure to check out the next podcast. Not super professional yet, but I'm trying to get them up every Monday. So Monday at some time, <laughs> check, out your, uh, check out your feed and see if I'm up yet. Uh, once again, I've been Anthony Tadero. Fight me about it.